I'm Ray Rogers. You're listening to Fix This, a podcast exploring tech ideas and solutions to some of today's largest challenges. Here on Earth, there's a lot of water. In fact, about 71% of the Earth's surface is covered with it. And the majority, 96.5%, is found in the oceans. While humans rely on the ocean every day for food, transportation, and even fun, more than 80% of the ocean remains unexplored with no data and no observations. But having this data can help scientists understand and conserve the oceans and their ecosystems. OSEARCH is on a mission to accelerate the ocean's return to balance and abundance by empowering large teams of collaborating scientists and experienced fishermen to collect critical data and make it available to the public in collaboration with Amazon Web Services and the Amazon Sustainability Data Initiative. Chris Fisher, founder and expedition leader at OSEARCH, and Dr. Robert Huter, chief scientist at OSEARCH, share more about the OSEARCH Shark Tracker app and why we should all care about the oceans and sharks. Yeah, my name is Chris Fisher. I'm the founding chairman and expedition leader at OSEARCH. My name is Dr. Bob Huter, and I am the chief scientist for OSEARCH. Can either of you give us a quick nutshell, in a nutshell, what is OSEARCH? What's the founding mission? OSEARCH was founded from kind of decades of working on the water. Uh, We were working on the water, um, helping scientists study other species of fish while we made television shows before the internet on ESPN Outdoors and a show called Offshore Ventures. We found the scientists had a hard time collecting data. Uh, collecting data on fish that we were catching and releasing all, all the time, like black marlin, blue marlin, sailfish, wahoo, other things like that. And so while we were doing that making the show, we began to engage the science community and help them. While we were catching and releasing fish, we had the boat paid for because of the business. They struggled to have the capacity to catch fish, to study the fish that they need to uh, write papers about so that we can manage them. So we saw there was this huge gap between the practical and the academic. We didn't have our best watermen working with our best scientists to create the best data to manage the ocean toward abundance. And we're in an environment where our biggest challenge toward being proud of what we leave behind for our children is data deficit and time. So while we were doing that work, we saw that we could radically accelerate data collection by bringing professional watermen together with professional scientists So it really was about bringing the practical and the academic, the book smarts and the street smarts together on a common vision that was really based around making sure that our great grandkids could all see an ocean full of fish and be able to enjoy the occasional fresh fish sandwich. While we were helping those scientists study those other species around 2005, six, seven, they began to explain to us that we were down to about 9% of our large sharks. And if we lose our large sharks and other sharks, Uh, there will be no fish in the ocean. We see the second tier of the food chain explode, overgraze, seals overgrazing. We know if sharks aren't around, seals eat four times more per day. I'm a big first things first guy. You know, if we lose the ocean, it doesn't matter what we do on land, we won't survive. So we must have a functioning ocean. And in order to have a functioning ocean, we need our large sharks to thrive. We found ourselves in a position, we were down to less than 10% of our large sharks, and we did not have the data sets necessary to manage them back to abundance. We did not know where they were mating, where they were birthing, and where their full migratory range was. So we scaled up and began to focus on these larger animals, these more complex questions that are fundamental to the future abundance of the planet and operating ocean and for all humans to survive. 
10% is a really startling number to hear. And what always amazes me is just how much of the ocean remains unexplored without data attached to it. But data is really fundamental to being able to make decisions that will help us get to a more abundant and prosperous ocean, right? Can you tell us a little bit about why data is so important? The work we're doing is is designed to sort of peel back the layers of the ocean that have been previously uh, invisible, essentially, and use a lot of modern technology to track animals to see what they're what they're doing, where they're doing it, and why. And with that, then um, advise policy to, so that we can conserve the oceans and and restore it back to its natural balance and and full of abundant life. And so what are some of the challenges that are facing these apex predators and other animals in the ocean? And really, what are you seeing from this data? Well, the number one challenge for the for the top predators, the, the sharks in particular, and some of the other large fish is still overfishing. It's taking too many of the animals out through fishing, either directed fishing or as bycatches as unintentional fishing. Uh, particularly with the sharks, bycatch is a real problem worldwide. They're also targeted uh, in the open sea by a number of fishing fleets for just for their fins. This is a major problem because the fins are worth a lot of money and uh, the fishermen are taking the sharks out of the water, cutting their fins off and dumping the rest of the shark back in the ocean. It's a real waste of the resource and, and terribly destructive to the, to the future viability of the population. So overfishing is is uh, is number one and continues to be the biggest problem. And once we get that under control, then we can start to address the other threats, which include everything from environmental contaminants to climate change, uh, causing the animals to change their distribution and their and along with their prey. Um, but overfishing is still uh, responsible for the fact that about a third of of the 500 or so species of sharks in the ocean are now threatened with uh, extinction. And uh, many of our sharks have been severely depleted down to uh, levels of 25% or, or less. Having said that, I, I wanna uh, rush in to say that we've got some great success stories and we have rebuilt the shark population where we've uh, collected the data necessary to put in sound management plans. And, and I'm happy to say that one of those places is the East Coast of the United States where we've turned the shark population situation around from one of severely depleted to now rebuilding. And in, in some cases, some of these species are completely rebuilt and sustainable. There's more life now off the East Coast and the fishing is better and people are seeing more than there was when our great grandparents were alive. I mean, we're seeing tuna caught in front of the Statue of Liberty again. The Menhaden are exploding off the Northeast. The whales are back. This is a story that needs to be told. And the West Coast of the United States is moving in the right direction well, really becoming a model that we can demonstrate to the world that, look, we made some great management decisions back in the late 80s and early 90s. And here we are just 30 years later, and we have seen radical successes. We still have some challenges with specific species, but the general trend is positive, And it is a tremendous model to show to the rest of the world that you can rebuild sharks populations which then dramatically impacts how much our fish populations start to thrive. Why do shark populations matter to the health of not only the world, but also of humans? What is that human connection? What we've discovered um, through, through our work is that sharks have um, 
the ability to fight off disease, to, to uh, be very healthy. The, the animals that we catch are always extremely healthy. They may have an old bite or a scar or, or a scratch from a seal uh, that they had during their preying activities, but you never see them riddled with cancer. You never see them uh, with, with infection. Why is this? Well, these animals have been around for 400 million years and they have developed the systems, the immune systems and a system of bacteria on their skin and uh, other surfaces that allow them to fight off pathogens, fight off disease and heal very rapidly. And some of the work that we're doing uh, with the sharks that we're putting our hands on and collecting and working on the OSERT ship is actually looking at that, that very benefit for people, the biomedical side, collecting the bacteria that live on sharks and seeing what kinds of antibiotics they produce. And maybe these are antibiotics that, that we can use in human medicine. And from the other standpoint, we're also uh, looking at the bacteria that live inside the shark's mouth and on the teeth, because in that very rare case of when someone is bitten, the bacteria that are there are, are fairly nasty and the medical community needs to know what antibiotics work against those bacteria. How is OSEARCH helping to democratize access to all of this information and science? What we've really done is we've democratized the approach to ocean research. Our research is big collaborative teams, which is unusual in the space. Uh, it's also open source to the public in real time so people can see the sharks moving around the world at osearch.org or at the Osearch tracker, which is you know, supported by Amazon and it can scale up and scale down with traffic. Uh, and what that's done is that's allowed the public to into the research project in real time. Because in the end, if we're going to pull off an abundant future, it's going to take us all. So we've eliminated silos between scientists. We've eliminated the silos between the science and the public. And we've created this huge, open-sourced, totally inclusive, charismatic research project that allows the public to be involved and students with our educational curriculum to be involved in real time, tracking sharks, watching the science unfold, because in the end, it's all for us and them and their children. I mean, for, for the purpose of this conversation, there is no us and them, there is no me and you, there is just us. And what are we gonna do about it? And that's why we have completely disrupted the traditional approach to science with a totally inclusive, open sourced collaborative project. Can you give us an overview of what the OSEARCH tracker is? How are you collecting this data? What does that process look like? And also, how are you helping to break down those silos and really pulling together those on the water with academics, with policymakers? Tell us a little bit more about that. We are capturing these animals with special gear. And for the most part, we're able to get the animals to swim back toward the ship and then quickly put some buoys in front of their face so they can't dive underneath the lift and then pull them into this custom lift we have off the side of the O-Search which will pick up about 75,000 pounds out of the ocean. At that time, we have two phases on the animal. The first phase will do about 12 different research projects on it. Then we pivot the animal around and we do another 12 research projects or so on it. This all happens in about 15 minutes. And then we lower the animal back down into the water and let it swim away. During that process, we'll use up to three different types of tags. One of them, is called a spot tag. This really needs to be put on when you have safe access to the animal and the lift provides that. Now, when we release that animal and each time it sticks its dorsal fin out of the water for more than a minute or so, it pings in through a satellite its location and it goes directly onto the OSEARCH Global Shark Tracker. 
And that means the scientists and the general public are seeing the locations of the shark in real time, anywhere in the world. And then we can begin to have conversations around that, right? Not only where are the sharks, but what are the sharks doing? It's also allowed us to give the sharks a voice. Sharks have social handles. They're talking to children. They're talking to people about where they are and what they're doing. The shark handles are talking amongst themselves. So it creates this conversation. And this was really pivotal in 2012 when we started the tracker and we gave the sharks a voice. Um, you know, if you're just putting tags on a shark, that just tells you where it is. If you're doing ultrasounds and blood samples and semen samples and tissue samples, bacterial samples, and various other things on all those animals, that tells you what they're doing where they are. So you can actually get a full picture of their life where we've got an efficient approach, right? We have a skilled team. We got world-class watermen working with world-class scientists. We got the scientists now, rather than competing in individual silos, totally collaborating around one animal, and we can maximize the data off that animal, drive, they get their data sooner, they publish sooner, we affect change sooner. Then they collaborate across disciplines and get this fuller picture of their lives. And that's what has allowed us, I mean, we're in the process and in the last step of for the first time in history, solving the full life history puzzle of a white shark population. And just in the last five years of expeditions or so off the East Coast of the United States and Atlantic Canada, We've taken that population from one of the least understood white shark populations in the world to by far the most comprehensively understood population in the, in the world. How is AWS helping to power and scale all of OSEARCH's great work? In addition to the 83 white sharks that, that you can see on the tracker that AWS helps us track uh, through the data storage and, and analysis tools that they, they provide, we're actually collaborating with dozens of researchers around the world. And the tracker involves, it shows um, the movements of hundreds of animals now, currently, everywhere around the world, and not just sharks, uh, many other creatures as well. So all this is happening in, in essentially in real time. All this is new. Most scientists don't, don't reveal their data in, in real time, but with, this is something that we're committed to and that we insist on. And what it does create, though, is big data, and it's a lot of data to handle. So AWS is, has been instrumental in helping us uh, handle that situation and provide these data to the public um, in, a, in a very digestible format that allows people to understand the importance of these animals as they move around the planet. What gives you hope for the future of our oceans? I really believe it's the most exciting time we've ever had when it comes to looking forward for the ocean and the planet because of the awareness level that we now have and the scale of the conversation. That's the biggest thing to overcome. Once you get that scale in that conversation, things, great things begin to happen. And so that gives me great optimism moving forward because we have huge conversations going on in the ocean space. And just 10 years ago, we were pushing hard along with other people to, to raise the level of awareness and now it, it really feels like we're over the hump. And now it's about taking that awareness and that will to improve the situation and be effective in acting on that. So I'm hugely optimistic because I think awareness is once you overcome a certain scale of awareness, the problems begin to, to get solved by people around the world. When I started to study the oceans all the way back in the 1970s, we were still in the era of thinking that the ocean was infinite. 
and you could never exhaust um, ocean resources and you could dump whatever you want in the ocean and um, dilution was the solution to pollution. And then we went through a, a period of time where things looked really bleak, where overfishing was, was crashing populations of, of fish, where pollution was getting to be a very serious problem. And it looked like some of these pro uh, problems might have been insurmountable. But as Chris said, it, the awareness has caught up with the scale of the problem and has surpassed it to the point where now we have nations coming together. We have uh, people coming together, local, regional, international, and realizing, first of all, there is a problem and we can't keep doing you know, things the old way. We can't overfish, we can't just dump stuff into the oceans and expect it to go away. But most importantly, that we can fix this. And um, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of, some kind, sometimes a lot of uh, money, but we can fix this. We can turn things around and we have turned it around in certain cases. Um, but it all has to be predicated on, on an understanding of what's happening factual knowledge and that means good science and the scientists are coming together with uh with the other stakeholder groups the fishermen uh the the policy makers in a, in a novel way and people now understand through their you know connection with things like the tracker people now understand much more about the oceans whether they live on the coast or whether they live in the middle of the country and everybody seems to be coming together. Uh, and, and I agree with Chris, it's an exciting time. And I think the future of the ocean is bright if we continue to, to focus on it and understand that we can make a difference. And last question, how can people stay or get involved? If each of us become the most efficient earthling we can on our journey across the planet, and we minimize waste on our individual journeys and, and try to leave the world better than we found it. It really is gonna take individual accountability and people looking at their lives and saying, hey, do I need to get five new cups every week or can I just use one cup all the time? Do I need to order way too much food at dinner and take a bunch home or should, can I just order just what we need and eat it and then go home and have no waste? It, that is really, I think, the biggest thing we can do is to become the most efficient earthlings we can on our individual journeys that will really result in a planet that is sustainable and in a moment at the end of all of our lives when we can smile and we can look back on our journey and be like, I've left this in a good place and I'm proud of what I'm leaving behind for my grandkids. OSEARCH works in collaboration with the Amazon Sustainability Data Initiative. ASDI seeks to accelerate sustainability research and innovation by minimizing the cost and time required to acquire and analyze large sustainability data sets. ASDI supports innovators and researchers with the data, tools, and technical expertise they need to move sustainability to the next level. If you liked today's episode, peek back into the archives at a previous conversation, episode number 11, to hear a chat with researchers from Cornell University using open data and machine learning to track bird migrations. And join the conversation on social media with hashtag FixThis by AWS. Thank you to our guests, Chris and Bob, and thank you for tuning in. If you like today's show, please remember to subscribe, rate, review, and share. We'll be here on the next one.